Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where a scamming cheater gets screwed out of millions and millions of dollars. Our next Reddit post is from Fred King. So for context on this story, I work as a private investigator. About three years ago, I had been hired to do a personal contract. The client, a rich, sleazy snob, was apparently stupidly rich. He hired my unit, which is a five-man team. He believed his wife was cheating on him with other people, and he wanted proof of this so he could start his divorce process with solid evidence. He contracted us for a six-month contract and was to pay the company a certain amount of dollars upon completion. So we set up surveillance cameras all over this guy's large house and in the woman's car, with the client's permission. We also had at least one member of our team tailing her at all times. Day in, day out, we watched their lives, and in this line of work, you either get detached or emotionally invested. Kind of like watching a soap opera. As we watched them, we quickly saw that this lady was a freaking saint! She volunteered at a soup kitchen at a children's hospital. She helped with local churches' canned food drives, those kinds of things. She was the perfect definition of what a good human should be. On the other hand, the husband was a total bastard. We caught him bringing women to his house on many different occasions. Sometimes, he would bring two or three girls in one day. And that was only what we recorded in the house. We arrive at the four-month mark, which is basically where we show all of our evidence and give the three-quarters report. We show him everything that we found and have a six-hour debrief with video and audio support showing that she hasn't done any wrongdoing other than a speeding ticket and a few double parking situations. After we concluded the debrief, he looked stupefied. He said, So, you didn't catch her cheating? Then what was the point of me hiring you? My boss, our captain, turns to him with a serious stare, which is perhaps in the most serious and badass-looking face I've ever seen in that man, and said, You hired us to investigate your wife. You're unhappy that your wife is an honest and faithful woman? The rich snob is visibly annoyed. He stands up to get his jacket, and my captain says, Look, there's still two months on the contract. We will keep tailing her, and we'll meet again after our contract is up to give you any updates. The snob turns to him and says, Don't bother. This is over. I'm ending it. Come over when she's not home and get your equipment out. So, a week later, we did exactly that. So, when contracts like his are made, a small portion is paid up front as commission fee, and the rest is paid at the end of the contract's allotted time. In this case, six months. So, fast forward to the next payday after the contract is officially over. My unit gets a call from our office to come in on the next payday because there's an emergency meeting regarding us in the last contract. We get there, and we find out the snob pulled the funding and refused to pay us for our work. So, we are getting paid some money, just not nearly as much as we should have. We all left super pissed. We went to lunch and we brainstormed how to get even with this douchebag. Then, we remembered all the house footage of his dirty deeds. At first, we wanted to blackmail him, but that's low and we're better than that. I remembered the wife, so I reached out to her. I set a date to sit down and explain everything to her. I showed her the videos of her husband cheating, and she cried for a good half hour. I think I broke her whole world. It was gut-wrenching. I then advised her to get a lawyer and gave her all the collected evidence and my business card. The Aftermath. 
Fast forward about six months. I'm called into court because my company is suing him for fraud, breach of contract, and unpaid dues. My company wins the case easily because his lawyer's argument was that we failed to deliver the results that he wanted. But we weren't hired to deliver a product. We were hired to observe and report. But we got paid in the end. I was contacted by the wife who thanked me for all the evidence. She got a divorce. Because of all the evidence I gave her, she got almost everything. His huge house, both cars, and a huge cash sum. Moral of the story, don't try to screw over people who specialize in gathering evidence and reconnaissance. Then OP posted an update. So I got back in touch with the wife. She agreed to meet with me yesterday. She was delighted to hear from me. We met up at a local coffee shop and I got to meet her new husband. She also had two kids with him and was pregnant with her third. She had been remarried for almost two years now. Now, keep in mind that this is what she told me, so take it with a grain of salt. She told me how the family of the super snob demanded they get the house back because it was their family's ancestral home. And they offered to buy the house from her almost immediately after the divorce hearing. She had a realtor come to evaluate the house. The family wanted to give her $250,000, but the realtor concluded the house's value was closer to $1.5 million. The family kept demanding she sell them the house over the following months. Then, she lied to them and told them the house's value was appraised at $5 million, but she would sell it to them for a $3.5 million family discount. The very next day, they made a cash offer for the house. Wow, OP, that client is a complete idiot. Like, what did he expect was going to happen? You basically gave him hours and hours of evidence of him cheating, and then he flips you the middle finger. So what, you just delete all those videos of him cheating? What a doofus. Our next Reddit post is from Remarkable Youth. I was working in an organization that was super toxic. So much so that we were a revolving door. Most employees stayed only for a few months. To counter this, our management put a three-month notice into everyone's contract, including the existing employees. I believe the idea behind that was to make it harder for employees to find a job because potential employers didn't usually want to wait for three months. However, this didn't work because most people simply quit and waited for a month or two before starting their job hunt. I was there for almost four years. I needed the money, so I put up with whatever abusive stuff was thrown at me. My boss, Vince, was not particularly good, but he sometimes respected the fact that I was the most tenured grunt in this organization. After working there for two years, I was doing a lot of extra work in addition to my official responsibilities, primarily because I was the only one who knew how to do them. Anyone else who knew had already left. This will become important later. Interage. Raj was poached from a somewhat infamous company and was literally flown in from a different continent. Raj was brought in to strategically improve our division. This was quite strange, given that our division generated the most profits. Within months, Raj made the environment even more toxic. He pulled Vince's team under him and got Vince fired, and he actively encouraged the grunts to spy on each other. Raj also had it out for me from day one. I still don't know why. He started making my life much harder than the others. This culminated in him taking me aside and telling me that I wasn't pulling my weight. Now, at this point, I was doing quite well in the organization and I had been doing a lot of additional work, so I was quite angry. So, I started looking for other jobs. 
Fortunately, I was able to find a job that was willing to wait three months. So, it was my turn to take Raj aside and tell him that I quit. And boy, Raj was pissed. He went from denial to negotiation to acceptance. At this point, I was called in by HR and told that Raj wanted me gone now. The insane part was that they wanted me to pay the company for the two and a half month shortfall in notice. I obviously refused and then went back and checked the contract. It turns out that a notice of less than three months could only happen through mutual consent and the initiating party had to compensate the other party for the shortfall. The next day, I stopped doing almost all of my work. I logged in and logged out, but past that, I did nothing. I stopped doing any additional work that I'd been doing and I started taking it really, really slowly on my primary job responsibilities. Since no one understood the details of what I did, I knew it would be very hard for Raj or HR to prove that I was doing any of this on purpose. Then, I just sat back with my popcorn. Soon, there was a complete meltdown all around. Raj would pull me into meetings and scream and try to bully me, and I would say nothing but just smirk. Next, they tried to have someone shadow me so they could learn what I did. But remember I said earlier how I was the only one who knew how some of the old systems worked? Well, now I claim that I didn't really remember any of them, so obviously I couldn't hand over the work. Raj could do nothing about this, because none of this had been my official responsibility as part of my original contract, since the leadership had been only too happy to make me do this for free. Soon, my workplace turned into a dumpster fire. HR and Raj smartened up and offered to buy out my notice if I cooperated and helped transition my work. But I refused. Then, to twist the knife further, I started having meetings with fellow grunts and encouraged them to leave as well. HR tried to kick me out twice more, but I ended up serving the full three months. Our next Reddit post is from Frisbean. So, when the new supervisor came into the department, they were one of those people who wanted to make a bunch of unnecessary changes and implement a host of tedious rules. He would write people up for being a minute late, for performing the job in a way that he didn't like, for breathing in the wrong direction, etc. You get the idea. Anyways, the department that he came into was staffed by very senior members who had been there for so long that they were making even more money per hour than the supervisor. They had also been through their fair share of terrible supervisors. It's just part of the job at the company where we work. Most of our supervisors are terrible because most of them are fairly young and this is their first big boy job, even if it is blue collar work. But we just keep our heads down and do our work since none of us can afford to leave. Since these veteran workers had been there for so long, they immediately noticed when their pay stubs were smaller than before. This new supervisor was paying them for one less hour than what they actually worked. Every single day they worked. A lot of these guys were making 20 bucks an hour or more, so that's 5 hours a week, ending up to about 400 bucks a month less than what they should be paid. Of course they were going to notice. I seriously have no idea how this supervisor thought he could get away with it. The veteran workers immediately came up with a plan. They decided to just keep quiet. They would just let him continue shorting them until the moment was right, because they knew the company would be forced to pay them the missing time as well as a settlement to keep it out of court if they played their cards right. So they waited. They kept putting up with the supervisor's terrible rules and attitude and said nothing. They knew the supervisor was trying to get promoted, which was why he had been moved to their department in the first place. By underpaying his workers, he made himself look more productive with fewer hours needed. Of course, this made him look like the better candidate. 
He kept up with the annoying rules and the terrible attitude the whole time, which only made the revenge even sweeter. Everyone in the company knew that this guy wanted the promotion that was coming up. He wouldn't shut up about it. In the break room, in the office, everywhere. He told anyone who looked remotely alive how he just knew that he was going to get it. Seven months went by and the supervisor got promoted, just like he said he would. That's the moment the veteran workers chose to come forward, and it couldn't have played more perfectly in their favor. Our company uses a time clock system, and each employee has a badge they use to clock in. The supervisor finalizes the time cards on the computer, and absolutely everything is tracked. Essentially, this supervisor was deleting their punch-in and starting them up an hour later, every day, for seven months. Now, with our system, you can't just delete punches. You have to add comments because, like I said, everything is tracked. So, the supervisor would put in BS notes like 1234 or some other gibberish to get it through. Every department supervisor also has to keep track of a physical binder that records what the startup time is for the night was supposed to be, so if there was any issue, they can reference the book. So, when the veteran workers came forward, it took less than 10 minutes of digging to pull up everything and see just how badly he had screwed up. There was screaming, crying, and a lot of apologies from the supervisor, but the damage was done. The supervisor was immediately fired, and now all the guys he screwed over were getting back pay, plus overtime and a settlement. The great thing about this story is that since they waited until after he became the supervisor, that means this guy will always think back on that, on that feeling of elation and satisfaction he got when he got promoted, and know that he can never get that feeling again. So not only did they get him fired, they also crushed his dreams. Our next Reddit post is from Ha 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 Thunk. So, a sweet older lady in our church was a retired nurse. She never married and she had no kids. She had a heart attack, and while she was in the hospital, her niece and nephew thought that she was dying. So, they came to her house and took her stuff. Her apartment was small, but she had some very nice crystal and silver and some lovely antique furniture. When she came home from the hospital, she had no dishes and almost no furniture. Her niece and nephew denied it, but the neighbors had seen them carting everything away. Several years later, she passed away. Her most recent will, dated after her heart attack, left $1 each to her niece and nephew. Everything else went to the church. Her estate was $9 million. So I've heard about this. Apparently the reason why people leave like $1 to other people in the will is because that way they can prove that they didn't forget about them. Because apparently people can say that, hey, I'm supposed to get something, but clearly she forgot, so something's wrong with the will. But no, 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 you got $1. So she didn't forget you. She just didn't want you to have anything. And beneath that, we have this post from Sublime Dom. A coworker of mine is in the midst of a situation like this currently. He used to run errands and do odd jobs for a nice old lady who was in a care home. She had only moved there initially due to her husband's death, but after he passed, she stayed. My coworker would run errands to the post office, pharmacy, her favorite bakery, etc. twice a week or so while doing his landscaping, and she would always give him like 75 to 100 bucks, with holiday bonuses being over 500 bucks occasionally. She was rather well off, and her son had died so she had no other family around. When she finally passed away, my coworker was told that he was named as the beneficiary in her will. He was flattered and figured that it would be a small but appreciated sum, perhaps a few thousand bucks at most. 
When he got the official call from the lawyer handling the estate, he was absolutely dumbfounded. The actual cash value at the time of the call was approximately $300,000. And this was before the sale of some of the investments, which was projected to add another $100,000. He was willed 20% of her total estate one of like four or five people sharing various amounts. The wrinkle here was the daughter-in-law throwing the will into a legal quagmire since she was left nothing. She argued that the attorney influenced the mother-in-law to exclude her. However, she wasn't featured in either of the two previous revisions. Turns out that years prior, the son and that daughter-in-law went behind that lady's back to the husband as he was in declining health and then borrowed a large sum of money and essentially disappeared, moving six hours east. When the old lady found out, she changed her will immediately, considering that payment to be their inheritance. That daughter-in-law is going to receive exactly what she deserves. A bunch of lawyer fees for a nuisance suit. If things go well, my coworker will be able to pay off his house and get a new property where he intends to retire, as well as provide a nice investment portfolio of his own to retire on. That was our slash pro revenge, and if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast, because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.